Welcome everyone, this is Regina, and you're listening to Those Catholic Shrinks with Regina and Lisa. Today's podcast is How to Engage Adolescents, Hmm. another fun, time-tailed topic. (laughs) We we thought our first podcast in this topic was so popular, we wanted to do it again. Yeah. But first, tell me, Lisa, Mm. (laughs) what are you drinking today? Oh, I am drinking Trader Joe's fall blend Ooh. yeah so it's like it's a fall themed drink that's not pumpkin spice what you know <laughs> so tell what's in it pumpkin. it's uh we've got like apple and cinnamon and i got there's a little nutmeg which is mm. kind of but you know that sounds delicious it's more cidery than it is mm. pumpkiny Nice. You're probably the only person not drinking pumpkin pumpkin spice right now. It's very true. Yeah, my husband said he's once October hit. He's like, okay, you are allowed to have pumpkin spice things now. <laughs> Thank you for the permission, friend. <laughs> what about you? So I am drinking a green tea ginger peach tea. Mm. <laughs> um, it's very interesting. I've never had this before. Yeah. Um. So I kind of like how the green blends with the peach, and because mm. I'm usually not a big peach person, this mm. is this was a risk for me, but <laughs> I'm enjoying the blend, so it, it mixes well together. I like it because you can get a little too fruity sometimes with teas, where it's like, okay, mm. this is more fruit juice than it is right. tea per se. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And I feel like one needs a cup of tea. <laughs> When you're about to either talk about adolescence or engage with an adolescent. Yes. <laughs> you need to calm yourself and yes. soothe yourself. Prepare and... yourself for the battle internally. <laughs> so when we're talking about how to engage adolescents, maybe we should define what an adolescent is first. Yeah. Um, it's a little bit of a clinical academic term. People throw it around a lot. Um, but just for that, for that general knowledge that when we mention adolescence, we're talking about anyone post-puberty. Mm-hmm. Maybe with a little bit more of an emphasis on high schoolers, but any child that's post-pubescent yep. Yep. <laughs> um, would be considered an adolescent. Absolutely. I would say it, pro- it can even, it depends on the individual, but it can even extend into college age a little bit. Mm. Freshman, sophomore year, sometimes yeah. I'll talk to people and, and you can still kind of pick up those vestiges of adolescence. Mm. And um, I think if we, all of us kind of look back to our freshman and sophomore year of college, it can be kind of, we thought we were adults, right. full-blown adults. And then you think about some of the things you didn't said, and it's like, oh no, there's right. that teenager. There's right. that adolescent that's still there. A lot of maturing to do yet when you enter college as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's, it's a big age range, you know, mm-hmm. from what is that? Middle school, exactly. Possibly all the way into, but again, it's different for every individual too. Right. Right. You know, because there are some kiddos that are almost like full blown adults by the time they get to their freshman year of high school. Exactly. You know, and then there are some people who it's freshman or sophomore year. It's they are still incredibly in college, incredibly immature mm-hmm. in many ways, and not that adolescence is only about immaturity right. either. It's just a developmental stage, just Mm -hmm. like anything else, infancy, toddlerhood, Mm -hmm. adolescence. It's all of these stages that we go through before becoming adults. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So, yes. So, how to engage them? Mm. How do we, meaning, how do you get your teen to talk to you? How do you get an adolescent to open up 
Yeah. I feel like that's a question I get a lot from parents is I can't get them to share with me. They're not communicating with me. What do I do? And so Mm -hmm. we have a little bit of a do's and don'ts list. (laughs) (laughs) Um, If you want your adolescent to be engaging with you, Mm -hmm. here's here's some do's and don'ts. Here's some do's and don'ts. And it's funny because I think it's maybe it's good to start with the don'ts because it's the easiest way to get them to shut down. Mm-hmm. And once you get them to shut down, it's like full lockdown mode. It's over. You know? Yeah. Maybe when they were little, you know, like you could, you know, tickle them or be like, well, do you want a color? We can color. <laughs> or I got a cookie here for you. And after they're done with the cookie, it's like, all right, I'm ready to talk again. Mm-hmm. Not so much with adolescents. No. It's, it's so funny. You say the wrong thing totally by mistake well-meaning and it's just you can see it in their face like they're over Mm -hmm. they're not listening like they've turned off their ears (laughs) and you're dead to them (laughs) at least in that moment yes exactly (laughs) but they very much feel that way you're dead to them in that specific moment in time (laughs) yep yep um so starting with what we shouldn't do yes Mm -hmm. what do you think um I think it's one of the things that I see a lot, whether even if you're a parent, but you could be somebody who's just like, say you're a youth minister or you're wanting to volunteer with your youth group and you're just starting. I see this a lot where you try to pretend to be one of them. It's like you really want to relate to them, so I'm going to mimic their behavior. I'm going to mimic the way they do things and say things. Dress. Dress. Their humor even. Mm -hmm. Um, And... um, you know, it's, it, it comes off as so incredibly inauthentic mm-hmm. that, and I say this all the time, and I might have even said it in our last podcast, is that teenagers can smell um, inauthenticity oh, yeah. a mile away. Miles away. Like, you know, you think that they're, they're not super smart in some areas relationally, and that's mm-hmm. true in some ways, and they can pick up when you're not being yourself. Right. Like. I would say that could be the number one top skill of an adolescent <laughs> is that they are very good at picking up on inauthentic people. So mm-hmm. that lack of being yourself. Plus, in addition, as an adult, you are at a little bit of a disadvantage. You know, if you show up to a youth night talking a certain amount of slang in their from their perspective, you are ancient. Even if you're 24 years old or 29, mm-hmm. you are ancient. Yeah. And so in their mind, an old person is saying their slang. Mm-hmm. And that's not really, you know, that's going to be comical to them. Yep. So you Absolutely. have to be very careful, you know, mm-hmm. of walking that line of showing some credibility and awareness of their cultural things that they're dealing with, but also not turning it into someone who they're not really going to be interested in trusting or seeing as an authoritative type of person. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And I I think that's a good point too, because when you start off a relationship with a teenager and trying to relate to them as though you are a teenager, at first, maybe they think that's great because sometimes they do think it's great, Mm -hmm. but that usually means you're going to get into some kind of trouble later on. Where they think they're relating to another teenager in their mm-hmm. minds, and then they decide that they're going to do or say something stupid, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden you have to switch from "I'm friend," "I'm teenager" mode to "Oh no, now I have to be in adult mode," mm-hmm. and then they're going to feel betrayed and angry, or you you're stuck in a position where you have to decide: Am I going to actually 
be an authority figure in this moment. Right. You know, and so you're stuck in this kind of moral dilemma of, do I destroy this relationship Mm. and make them super mad at me? Right. Or do I let it, let it slide? Mm. And if, even if it's small, even if you hear them saying something negative about another adult or another kid, Mm -hmm. even, Mm -hmm. and it's nothing that they necessarily need to be punished for, but you just kind of let it slide. Right. It's a slippery slope and it'll just keep happening and happening. And then it's messy, sticky situations. And like you, you, because you're the adult, you're the one that started it. Right. And Mm -hmm. you're, you're supposed to be responsible for those students in your care. And Mm -hmm. now you've found yourself in a compromising position. Yeah. So I think those are the two routes that can go when you decide you want to relate to a teenager by trying to be like a teenager is either they're going to pick it up right away that you're being inauthentic and it's just like they're not going to want anything to do with you or they'll start relating to you as though you're a teenager mm-hmm. and then you get into not good situations. Right. Yep. Yeah. So I think um, the next shouldn't, what you should not do, the next don't, is asking questions. Mm. <laughs> now, <laughs> this one is a really tough one because I feel like when you're a parent especially and you feel like your child isn't communicating with you, you know, it's like pulling teeth. How was your day? Good. Well, what did you do? Nothing. Right. (laughs) And you're, you're like, surely there, obviously something happened at school today or just, you just want to have a relationship with your teen. You want to know what's going on in their life. Are they making good choices? Are they being safe? You want to learn about their friends. And so, it can all of a sudden start getting into this like interrogation mode of questions mm-hmm. of, well, where were you? Who were you with? What did they say? Why aren't you talking to me? What's wrong? Is everything okay? Is it this? <laughs> all of a sudden, you're going to get that glazed over look yep. and the shutdown mm-hmm. of, no, we're done with this conversation. <laughs> I'm yep. not continuing. Do not pass go. Do not collect $200. <laughs> um, yep. I just feel like, Adolescents can get very overwhelmed with too many questions Mm -hmm. and balancing that, which we'll get to the, what you should do about that later, Mm -hmm. but definitely try your best to avoid multiple questions in a row. Yeah. I call it rapid fire questioning Mm -hmm. where it's just like, boom, 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 boom. Right. And what we're doing on our end as adults is, okay, maybe that question didn't work. Maybe that question they didn't find interesting. Maybe I can ask it a different way. I'll ask it this way, this way, this way. And I think really what it is is, is sometimes it's it's a patience game. It's waiting for an opportunity for a moment when they're ready, ready. for questions. Mm-hmm. And I think also it's when you do ask a question and they respond, what's kind of the normal way that you then respond to that response? Is mm-hmm. it you immediately start going into, I'm going to tell you what you should do mode? Mm-hmm. Or are you, um, you know, like listening to what their response is. So sometimes I think too, say they do give you an an answer to your question and it's immediately, well, why would you think that? Or why would you do that? Or you should do this instead. You know, I think Mm -hmm. teenagers pick up pretty quickly when you're just asking questions so that you can respond to them. Right. Or you can tell them what to do because they're very sensitive to being controlled. Yes. Because that's a big part of what this, you know, we were talking about at the beginning, what is adolescence? You know, this is a stage in their life, a developmental stage where they are, we call it differentiating themselves Mm -hmm. from their parents, meaning Mm -hmm. they are learning that I am an autonomous individual, meaning I can control myself and they're learning how to control themselves. Right. And they're super sensitive to, you're trying to control me. Right. 
And one of the easiest ways for adults to control an adolescent is information. Mm -hmm. If I have information on what you're doing and thinking, then I can tell you what you should and shouldn't do. Right. And so they'll hear those questions and it's like, why do you want to know? Right. What are you going to tell me? If I tell you that I'm having a fight with my friend, then maybe you're going to ground me. Or maybe you're going to, I'm going to hear a lecture. Lecture. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) So they won't say things Mm because it's like, I don't want to get a lecture. So I'm just not going to tell you anything. Right. Or just the simple fact of you bombarding with a bunch of questions. Mm -hmm. I just, now all of a sudden I'm not in the mood to talk to you just because of the fact that you just want information. I'm just going to be slightly rebellious and (laughs) not answer because no, this is not natural, a natural conversation, Mm -hmm. which it's not. Think about in any other area of your life with your adult relationships. Do you sit there with your peers or your coworkers and say, what did you do last night? Did you have dinner? What did you eat for dinner? Did you do like, yeah. then you went to get gas. Well, what kind of gas? How much did you spend on the gas? Like nobody has conversations like that. <laughs> That's so true. And honestly, even as you're saying that I'm sitting here, I'm trying to put myself in that, in that conversation. And my first thought is, why do you want to know all of this? Mm-hmm. And as an adult, that becomes my question. Like, right. okay, it's normal to ask, you know, what's going on with your life and like the normal niceties, but why do you need so many details? Mm-hmm. Like, because you're trying to control something exactly. or you have an ulterior motive. You have an ulterior motive. Yeah. Another thing they're very sensitive to. Exactly. You tell me one thing, but I can see it in your eyes. <laughs> you have an ulterior motive. <laughs> right. And again, with that, what you were saying before about developmentally wanting that independence, mm-hmm. they're transitioning into adulthood. And so helping them do that by... Yeah nuancing the questions, waiting for the right time when mm-hmm. they're primed to that and uh, backing off a little bit, giving giving that sense of autonomy, yep. even though you are still monitoring them and mm-hmm. you're engaged as a parent, giving that facade that they yeah. have that resemblance of at least practicing some autonomy because mm-hmm. you want them to be prepared when they're on their own anyway. Absolutely. And I think that's part of it too is This is also a time, again, going back to that developmental stage where previously you were, as an adult, were the person they went to to influence them. Mm -hmm. Like when I need advice, when I need help, the first person little kids go to is their parents or a very trusted adult, Mm -hmm. like a youth minister. Mm -hmm. Um, Adolescence is a time where that shifts and it shifts from adults to their peers. And peers are more influential and they're more likely to go to their peers for assistance and help. And that's a normal and natural thing. And it makes us adults nervous Mm -hmm. because what if they get into a situation where their peers don't necessarily have the best advice? Right. When it's, they're in over their heads, which Mm -hmm. often, often happens. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's when they might become afraid to go to the adult figure in their life, especially if the response to when they do are asking questions is lectures. Right. You know, because they want to be able to go and go to their peer group to talk about these things. And so sometimes it's just a normal, natural thing of maybe the reason why they're not coming to you as much is because they're talking to their friends a little bit more. Right. Not necessarily Mm -hmm. because you're doing anything wrong. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yep. Okay. So don't, Pretend to be one of them. (laughs) Don't ask a bunch of questions. Don't lecture. Mm -hmm. And our third don't. This one I think is huge, Mm -hmm. is don't undermine their feelings. 
And sometimes it doesn't even need words. Sometimes they can just see it in your face. Yes. You know, when I tell people that I work with adolescents, a lot of times I'll get I'll get the response from them to me, which is an immediate eye roll. Like, yeah. oh my gosh, how do you deal with their drama? Right. Like, is all you ever talk about them breaking up with boyfriends? And it's like, yeah, sometimes I do talk to a hysterical teenage girl because she just broke up with her boyfriend of one month. Mm-hmm. And to her, that is devastating. Mm-hmm. And if I say to her, oh, honey, it's only been a month. Shut down. Right. I've just lost all credibility with her. And she won't be coming to share with you in the future. No, she won't. And it either smaller things or bigger things. Say she loses somebody in her life and there's a death in her family. Nope, she's not going to come talk to me because mm-hmm. I don't understand her. Because that's another big part of adolescent development is nobody feels the feelings that they feel. And they are so authentic in that. And nobody has the level of feelings that they feel. Mm-hmm. And if there is something that is incredibly difficult for them and I immediately undermine them because I'm an adult, so I feel things more. Right. You know? And we have so much more knowledge and experience and wisdom. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and I try to explain this to people too sometimes. I describe their life our lives as as a pie. You know? And in the pie of life, a month to me is a sliver. Like it's nothing mm-hmm. in terms of relationships. A month in the pie of life to a teenager, just proportionally by by nature of how many years they've lived, is actually a lot more. Mm-hmm. So when a kid tells me, when a teenager tells me, my my best friend and I are in this huge fight and I don't think we're going to be friends anymore and we've been friends since 8th grade and they're a 10th grader. Mm-hmm. For them, those like 2 or 3 years, like that's huge. Right. That's like half of their life to them because right. they can't remember the first like two thirds of their right. life. Exactly. You know, for me, a friendship of two years is much smaller in the pie of my life. Right. And so I think a big part of it is adjusting the way that we look at what they're telling us in terms of their life experience. Mm-hmm. And yes, I do have more experience and I need to appreciate that they have less and therefore what happens to them is more intense Absolutely. because of just the proportion to how much life they've lived. It's the first time, essentially, they're experiencing those types of situations. And so, so true. And so you have to guide them through that. The mm-hmm. same way you teach them how to walk or look both ways before you cross the street. You don't roll your eyes and say, oh, no, you fell off your bike again. Let's do it right. We have to learn. <laughs> and the same way, we have to learn how to deal with a breakup or a yeah. friendship breaking up or something like that. And mm-hmm. so you're still guiding and teaching them. Yeah. At every stage. Absolutely. Yeah, so those are our don'ts. Those are the don'ts. Don't pretend <laughs> to be one of them. Uh, don't rapid fire question them. <laughs> and um, definitely don't undermine their feelings. Yeah. Yeah. If you don't know what to say, just reflect the feeling back to them. Exactly. Just restate it in different words. Mm-hmm. Um, because that number one, I think, is if you undermine their feelings, you're you're over. They've written you off as another adult that doesn't understand them. Right. And I heard a story once about a high schooler, just one more point about that before we move on, mm-hmm. where um, sometimes they test you and you don't you don't realize it. Where, you know, this one high schooler, he got his girlfriend pregnant and obviously he was afraid to tell his parents about this. Mm. So he made up another story to mm. test the waters. He went to his parents and he said, you know, he was at a party 
and people were smoking and doing drugs, and he tried something. Oh. And, of course, Mom blew up and completely freaked out. And so mm. he thought to himself, if she's upset about this, she's really going to be upset about the pregnancy. Yeah. So I better not tell her, and I just need to figure this out on my own. Mm. And so we have to be very careful with how we react and listening to yeah. our teens when they bring up, like you said before, in those really small circumstances, we have to, it's your homecoming date left. You know, internally, we might think that's so sweet and nostalgic and endearing mm -hmm. and, oh, life goes on. This is so cute. But for them, really honoring that that is a very difficult place because if you can't meet them in those small moments, yep. they're not going to trust you with the big things. Absolutely. That's so true. Oh, teenagers. So what can you do about it? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> to do. We, yeah. We have some do's. Absolutely. Um, I think number one, kind of, you know, starting off with, I think the first time we talked about don't pretend to be one of them, what's the opposite of that? Is be genuine. Be genuine. Just be yourself. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I tell teenagers this a lot. It's like, you guys know a lot of adults are scared of you. They'll see like a pack of teenagers and it's like, walk the opposite direction. <laughs> they all are like surprised by that. And it's like, I tell them it's because most people, for most adults, their experience of adolescence was kind of traumatic or negative or they didn't like it. And they remember teenagers being mean. And, um, and so sometimes I think we as adults like are approaching an adolescent and we get those feelings again of like, I'm inadequate. Cause that's a huge feeling that a lot, most teenagers feel is they feel inadequate. They don't like they don't feel comfortable in their own skin. Right. And so when we approach another adolescent, we start getting those same feelings mm. that we had as an adolescent. Mm. And so, and what did you do as an adolescent when you felt that way? You pretended to be cool. Yes. <laughs> so I think it's like in that moment, as you're approaching the, the teenager and you're like, I want to be cool. I want to be cool. It's like, chill, <laughs> take a breath. And be yourself, and yourself is enough. Right. Um, and you don't have to be cool. And they're actually, they're tired of playing that cool game. Mm -hmm. And if anything, and they see you as somebody who's just being themselves, for them, that's a relief. Right. I don't have to pretend to be cool around this adult. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Like, right. they can let that facade kind of fall away. And you being a role model, an example of someone mm -hmm. who's comfortable in their own shoes, who's confident, who's an example of, oh, I can essentially, you know, quote, unquote, I can be not cool and still be a successful adult, you know, who's got <laughs> it all together and is happy with their life, you know, yeah. they can kind of see the end of the road or the future through you. Mm -hmm. But if you continue to perpetuate that idea in the culture of we have to dress a certain way, talk a certain way, act a certain way to be cool. Yeah. Um, then, yeah. Then you're kind of adding to that exactly insecurity. Yep. To them. So definitely being genuine, and that's going to help them be more willing to open up to you. Also. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think that's that's kind of pulls to another point of you know if you can connect with how you felt as a teenager. That's going to help you to understand, A, to understand, I don't need to be, I don't need to be cool with them. Like, right. I can be myself. Right. That is a lesson that I've learned. Right. And it's also going, connecting with how you felt as a teenager is also going to help you to not undermine their feelings. Right. And to think to yourself, in those moments, like, when, 
my boyfriend broke up with me the day before homecoming, if that mm-hmm. happened to you. Like, mm-hmm. you remember feeling devastated. Right. So in that moment, instead of undermining their feelings, you can say to yourself, what did I need then? Mm-hmm. You needed somebody that connected with how you felt. Right. Like we said, like, who reflected my feelings back to me, who was mm-hmm. really listening to, yeah, this is, this is a really rough time for you. Right. So I do think it's important to connect with how did I feel as a teenager, both in terms of I wanted to feel cool, but I don't, I realized later I don't have to and that my lived experience was authentic and real Mm -hmm. and my feelings were real Mm -hmm. um, despite what how old I was or how long relationships last or how small or trivial something seemed absolutely everyone Mm -hmm. likes to feel affirmed you know regardless of what they're going through and regardless of how old they are absolutely nobody likes to feel like their feelings don't matter Mm -hmm. I like that word affirmed like affirming their feelings so we said Like, don't undermine their feelings. What's the opposite of that? Affirming their feelings. Right. Yep. Don't, um, you know, pretend to be someone else. Be genuine. Mm -hmm. You know, connect. And then thirdly, I think listening, which we've kind of already been touching on. Mm -hmm. But I feel like that's so huge because oftentimes I feel like as adults, we take those burdens on too. So when Mm -hmm. someone is, when a child is telling us all about their problems, I, you know, this teacher is being so hard on me and I've got an F on this math test and oh no, what am I going to do? We start thinking of solutions (laughs) and we want to offer them. We want to say, well, you know, what if you just go to the teacher and talk to them and do office hours and earn their respect and this, Mm -hmm. and we skip that part of that's so important, that piece of actually listening and creating space for your adolescent to share and talk about what's going on because as soon as you start coming in with the solutions then we bump up against that autonomy control mm-hmm. piece yeah giving them a sense that they don't feel like you don't feel like they are capable of figuring it out mm-hmm. or you don't trust them and again like you're not hearing them yeah and you have to take that step to just give that space and say wow so you're having a hard time in this class you know tell me more mm-hmm. about that what is that like because if they don't feel listened to, then they're not going to be more willing to share with you later on. Absolutely. And I feel like it's also essential. It's it, Actually, it's okay. Just give yourself that permission mm-hmm. to not have a solution. Yes. It's almost better to just <laughs> not give any suggestions at all. Absolutely. <laughs> and let them vent a little bit to you because mm-hmm. then you're going to become that credible catch-all space. Yeah, the place where they feel comfortable. Like you said, where they know with you, you're going to create a space where they can explore options and choices. Again, mm-hmm. because developmentally, they are becoming adults. This is not right. pretend. They're right. not pretending to be adults. <laughs> they are literally becoming right. adults at this stage. Right. And we need to give them the room and the safe place mm-hmm. to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and the way I kind of, the phrase I use often is, are you listening to understand mm-hmm. or are you listening to respond? Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes there's a pressure because a teenager is coming to me, an adult, I as an adult should have all the answers. Right. So therefore I must prove to them that I do have the answers and they trusted me to talk to me about this. So now I have to have an right. answer. And it's right. like, no, yeah. <laughs> honestly, the answer is within them. Right. And you can kind of ask questions that lead them there. Mm-hmm. Um, but telling them, no. Right. And this is the other thing I, I hear a lot is, so you give them the room, you let, you give them the space to talk. They'll like 
spew all of their feelings out and everything that's happened in the situation. Mm-hmm. And if your response starts with, what if, mm. really you could replace that with, you should, mm. which is not, so it's, it sounds like a question. Right. Well, what if you did this, this, and this? That's not a question. Mm-hmm. That's a, you should have thought of this. Right. And that's how they receive it. Mm-hmm. And honestly, as an adult, that's how I would receive it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so really what it, the best way to respond is to ask questions so that you can understand a greater depth what's going on. Mm-hmm. And honestly, just that process of them having the room to explain to you in great depth of detail to the point where you might be like, okay, I'm exhausted of this. Right. They will find the solutions often on their own. Yeah, absolutely. Because they feel safe to do that with you. And I think, you know, I just had a thought as you were speaking about that, you know, I think that could be why social media is such a draw to young people today. Mm. Because there is essentially not a lot of places where They feel like they can go and be listened to and be heard. Mm -hmm. But if I do this long rant post or do this, you know, snap video of myself of, oh, why is this happening, blah, blah, Mm -hmm. then I'm going to get a bunch of likes, I'm going to get a bunch of feedback and just people saying, oh, I'm sorry, I'm here for you, right? Where you can essentially create your own social media (laughs) page. (laughs) You can be that social media, you know, in that young person's life and just be that catch-all space it's kind of like this anonymous post well a sense of anonymous Mm -hmm. you know um of oh i can just put this out here almost like a digital journal Mm -hmm. i can do your diary online yeah and no one's gonna read it but if you're able to take that time to listen Mm -hmm. they might not feel as inclined to have to go there to do that absolutely yeah because that's what they're seeking for when they go there is connection connection and if it's immediate, like, I'm an authority, I have all of the, the answers, they mm-hmm. don't feel connected. Mm-hmm. They don't feel listened to really at all. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I think we have one more final point, mm-hmm. the connecting with interests. Yeah. Speaking of connection. Yeah. <laughs> and I think this actually kind of goes back to an earlier point of not undermining their feelings, but it's also not undermining their interests, too. Right. Like, if it's something that they're interested in, like there's certain music that our kids talk about, and I'm like, that sounds terrible. <laughs> like, I have zero desire to know more about that. Or, because this is just not my own personal interest, they'll start telling me about, like, a video game that they really like, which they often have huge networks of friends in, in those games. video games. Yeah. And, like, my automatic inclination is to be like, I don't care right (laughs) and and truly like I am uninterested in that right you might glaze over yourself a little bit (laughs) and I have to fight it really hard (laughs) and I do and I have to remember yes I don't care about this video game Mm -hmm. and I do care about the person in front of me who does and so if they care about it I have to find a way to care about it and I have to find a way to ask questions and communicate I'm interested in this because you're interested in this. Right. I mean, the number of times I've heard about Minecraft, <laughs> I can't tell you. I still really have no idea what that game is about. <laughs> but I think it's important because for them, this is the other thing that I noticed too, is teenagers do not have a lot of people in their life who give them undivided attention. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and it's not necessarily that you're a bad parent. Right. It's, you've got a million things that you're doing. Life is busy. Mm-hmm. And so it's taking time to set time aside to say, I'm interested in what you're interested in. Right. 
And could you imagine the look on the young person in your life's face if you actually went into their room, started asking them about Minecraft or whatever game, Xbox, whatever it is, mm-hmm. they would look at you, first of all, like you're crazy or mm-hmm. like you've been possessed. <laughs> yep. But then to actually sit down and maybe play with them, they might resist a little bit at first <laughs> because you're encroaching on their social space, especially yeah. if they're online gaming with other people. Mm-hmm. But to actually have a time where they can make fun of you and be in that position of power and teaching you something that you don't yeah. have because they constantly get it from you. That's so true. Of telling them what to do. Can you imagine how that might change a little bit of your relationship with them mm-hmm. if you gave them that opportunity? Yeah. To just look like you didn't know everything. It's so true. <laughs> and you're right. It doesn't even have to be about video games. It can mm-hmm. just be, like, say they're really into drama. Teach right. me about, tell me about the new play that you're in. Tell exactly. me all about it. Exactly. Like, tell me about acting skills. What do you have to do? Yeah. And just because, and I think that's the other thing. I, I'm just thinking of this as you were saying that is so often we as adults, like, approach a teenager from, interested in what's happening for them for school Mm -hmm. because we're so okay you have to be successful in school to be successful in life so I'm going to ask about that because if I ask about that maybe you'll be interested in that and again Mm -hmm. what do they feel manipulated alternate agenda you know but I just Mm -hmm. want to know about Minecraft right right, that first it's going to be resistance (laughs) and it's going to be like what's your angle right why do you want to know about Minecraft (laughs) get away from me so you might experience some resistance at first. Yes. <laughs> um, but the more you kind of do that, what you're doing is you're balancing out, like, I, I'm not only interested in your school. I'm interested in the whole person. Right. Like you. Mm-hmm. Which is what they want. Honestly, it's what all of us we want. We all want that. Yeah. So absolutely, being interested in what they're interested in, even if you don't find it that interesting. Exactly. Which, funnily enough, you might come to find it interesting over time. <laughs> it might actually be <laughs> better than you think. For instance, I know a lot about Star Wars, because I've had a couple of students who love Star Wars. Uh-huh. It wasn't a big interest for me. I have, like, not even just movies. I know a lot about the books, too, now. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, very impressive. <laughs> <laughs> and... That, again, creates that window of opportunity for you. If you're Mm -hmm. able to connect with them in those ways, they're going to be more willing to share and open up to you when you do have the questions. Yeah. So you have to balance questions with interest and time. And And what's funny, too, is if in those, like, kind of bigger life moments where they do, if they do finally come to you for help and assistance, or if they already do, say you've, you've taken the time to get to know more about what they love, is you can use things from that and apply it as analogy and problem solving with them. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, you're having a really difficult time with your friend. Well, what happens in your acting classes when that happens to you? And how mm-hmm. can you? And suddenly you have this wealth of knowledge in this way that they interact with the world that you right. can help them that's tailored specifically to them, too. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yes. So let's review mm-hmm. <laughs> the don'ts. Don't yeah. ask questions. Don't undermine feelings. Yep. And don't pretend to be one of them. Please. Please. Please don't. <laughs> and what you should do, definitely number one, be genuine. Be yourself, mm-hmm. even if it feels uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, listening listening is huge. Listening to understand, yes. not to respond. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, connecting with their interests. Yes. What are you actually interested in? And being interested in them as a whole person, not just in... Okay, what do I have to do to help them to be successful in life? Right. Yeah. Is 
from the mundane to the sublime, everything in their life be interested in that. So I think if you can apply at least those small points, Mm -hmm. (laughs) over time you might start to notice a difference Mm -hmm. in how you're relating and how you're getting your teens or your adolescents to engage with you. Absolutely. Yeah. And it'll take time too. (laughs) Yes. Yes. This is not one step magic overnight thing. Absolutely. Well, I think that's all we have for today. Mm -hmm. It's quite a bit. So enjoy that time with your teenagers. We'll see you guys next time.